Shalom and welcome to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Program. This is going to be our second session on what the rabbis teach about the lost ten tribes. In the book, A Matter of Return by Raphael Eisenberg, on page 129, he explains how Ephraim and Judah, or the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, differed ideologically and politically. He writes, The ten tribes, Reuben, Simeon, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Ephraim, and Manasseh, seceded from the tribes of Judah and Benjamin in the days of King Rehoboam, the son of King Solomon. Jeroboam reigned over the ten tribes known as the kingdom of Israel, while Rehoboam remained as the ruler of the kingdom of Judah. The two groups differed not only politically, but ideologically as well. The kingdom of Judah adhered to God and his commandments, at least externally, while the kingdom of Israel, also called Ephraim, after the leading tribe of those who seceded, turned to idolatry and assimilation among the neighboring countries. About 721 before the Common Era, the ten tribes were exiled by the king of Assyria, who carried Israel away into Asher and placed them in Halah and Havor by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Mode. In the book Moses and the Original Torah by Abba Hillel Silver, he also explains how that not only did the ten tribes and the house of Judah differ, but they are not united today. Two distinct traditions are reflected in the historical and legal writings of the Bible, one of northern Israel and the other of southern Judah. In a sense, Israel and Judah were always two separate peoples. They were never truly united, even during the period of the United Kingdom. These two peoples shared a common racial origin and many ancestral memories, but their historical experiences from earliest times differed sharply. In the book, A Matter of Return, by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg, on page 130, he writes, According to Arbabanel, the return of the ten tribes at the time of the redemption or the messianic era is one of the principles of our faith. And this is found in Mashmia Yeshua, the fourth principle of faith. Arbabanel refers to the prophecies to this effect of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Obadiah, Micah, and Zephaniah. Orthodox Jews pray three times a day for the ingathering of the exiles. In the book, The Messiah Texts, by Raphael Patai, on page 181, he writes, One of the great themes of the Messianic cycle is that of the kibbutz galuot, the ingathering of the exiles from the four corners of the earth. Ever since the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by the Romans in the year 70, Jews have prayed three times a day for the ingathering, which we're going to see shortly from Appendix 1, 
which was for them synonymous with redemption. Closely associated with it are the ten lost tribes of Israel exiled by the Assyrians in 721 before the Common Era and believed to dwell beyond the river Sabathian. These tribes will be ingathered by the Messiah in the land of Israel together with the diaspora of the West. In the Messiah texts by Raphael Patai on page 321 in the appendix, it says that the Amidah, which is the 18 benedictions, contains a prayer for the ingathering of the exiles. The request for redemption and the coming of the Messiah addressed to God as part of the Amidah prayer, popularly referred to as the 18 benedictions, together with the Shema or Hero Israel, is the most important Jewish daily prayer recited three times every day. This prayer was edited by Rabban Gamaliel II soon after the destruction of the Jerusalem temple by the Romans in the year 70. The full text of the 7th, 10th, 14th, 15th benedictions read as follows. And we are only going to share the 10th benediction. And the 10th prayer of the Amidah goes as follows. Blow the great shofar for our freedom and lift up a banner to gather our exiles and gather us together from the four corners of the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gathers the banished of your people, Israel. In the book, A Matter of Return by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg on pages 129 and 130, he explains that there is a Talmudic dispute regarding will the ten tribes ever unite with Judah. There is a Talmudic dispute that is found in Sanhedrin 1.10 as to whether the ten tribes will return to the Jewish people. Rabbi Akiva states that the ten tribes will not return. According to Rabbi Eliezer, however, their darkness will light up for them in the future, which means that they will return. Both opinions are based on different interpretations of the biblical prophecy that is found in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 27. And cast them into another land as it is this day. Rabbi Akiva asserts that just as this day passed never to return, so too the ten tribes are gone and will not return. You see, the ten tribes had not united with Judah in the days of Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Akiva proclaimed Bar Kokhba as the Messiah. And because the ten tribes hadn't been united with Judah, he had to take the position that they were not going to unite if he's going to proclaim Bar Kokhba the Messiah. However, Rabbi Eliezer, on the other hand, interpreted the same passage as it is this day to mean that as the day grows dark and lightens up again, so too the ten tribes' utter darkness will become bright for them. Our sages determined the Halakha that the ten tribes which disappeared in Assyria shall return. Their decision is quoted in the Tosefta to Sanhedrin chapter 13, which describes another disputation concerning the ten tribes' return based upon the same passage. As it is this day is explained as meaning that if their deeds remain as they were this day, they will not return. 
On the other hand, if they are not, that is, if they have repented for and corrected their actions, they will return. So let's summarize what we've covered so far. The two kingdoms of the nation of Israel, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, or Ephraim and Judah, differed ideologically and politically. The lost ten tribes are not united with the house of Judah today. Orthodox Jews pray three times a day for the ingathering of the exiles, which means the reunification of the ten tribes with Judah, which means they don't believe that the ten tribes have united with Judah. The Amidah contains a prayer for the ingathering of the exiles, and we mentioned and read the tenth prayer of the Amidah. An Orthodox Jewish halakha is that the lost ten tribes will unite with the house of Judah and will do so in the end of days, at the dawn of the Messianic era. In the book, Mashiach, The Principles of Mashiach in the Messianic Era in Jewish Law and Tradition by Jacob Emanuel Shohet, on page 20, under the section, The Ingathering of the Exiles of Israel, he writes, Through Messiah shall be effected the ingathering of all the exiles of Israel. The proof text, that are given that the Messiah will ingather the exiles of Israel are Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 3 and 4, Isaiah chapter 11 verses 11 and 12 and verse 16, Isaiah chapter 43 verses 5 and 6, Amos chapter 9 verses 14 and 15, Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 7 and 8, Ezekiel chapter 39 verse 25 and verses 27 through 29. On page 21 and 22 of Mashiach, the principles of Mashiach in the Messianic era in Jewish law and tradition, Jacob Emmanuel Shohet writes, The ten tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel, exiled by the Assyrians before the destruction of the first temple in 2 Kings chapter 17, and dispersed beyond the river Sabathian in the mountains of darkness, will return in the end of days. Sources for that is in the Talmud, Sanhedrin 110b, Midrash, Bamidbar, or Numbers, Rabbah 1625, and there are other sources as well that are mentioned here. And the Mashiach, the principles of Mashiach in the Messianic era in Jewish law and tradition by Jacob Emanuel Shohat, page 22, he explains that the reuniting of the ten tribes with Judah will be fulfilled and this is biblical prophecy and covenant. This divine promise of the return and restoration of Israel is unconditional. It will occur even if the people should not want to return. And the scriptural evidence for this thought is Ezekiel chapter 20 verses 32 through 37 and verses 40 through 42. Also, Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 22 through 25. In the book of redemption by Moses Nachmanides, or the Ramban, on page 27, he explains that Jeremiah chapter 30, and specifically verses 2 and 24, speak about the ten tribes and ultimately the unification with Judah. Among the prophecies in the book of Jeremiah which speak of the future redemption is the section 
write thee all the words that I have spoken unto you. That's Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 2. There the prophet said, In the end of days you shall consider it. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 24. At that time, says the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of the earth. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 25 in a Jewish published Bible. Now the ten tribes are among the families of Israel. Thus, this prophecy addresses itself to a redemption other than that of the Babylonian exile from which only the tribes of Judah and Benjamin were redeemed. It is similarly explained in that section that this verse refers to Ephraim who represents the kingdom of the ten tribes. Furthermore, the expression in the end of days, Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 24, we're going to go on and look at the book of redemption by Moses Nachmanides on page 28 where he explains as well that Ezekiel chapters 16, 20, and 36 is written to the ten tribes. In the words of Ezekiel, there are many prophecies which concern the future. In his prophetic utterance, he spoke of the return of the captivity of Jacob, that is Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 25, and the captivity of Samaria, Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 53, meaning the ten tribes of Israel. Ezekiel stated, For in my holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, says the Lord God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them, serve me. That's Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 40. The use of this double expression, all the house of Israel, all of them, serves the purpose of strengthening and verifying the thought that all their tribes will be included in the scope of this prophecy. It is thus a prophecy for the future. Similarly, the prophet returned to that theme again stating, and I will multiply men upon you all the house of Israel, even all of it. Ezekiel in chapter 36 and verse 10. So he's explaining here that all these prophecies speak about a future reunification of the ten tribes with Judah that has not happened yet. In the book of redemption by Moses Nachmanides on page 29, he explains how Ezekiel 37 will be fulfilled in the end of days. This is similar to the prophecy of take you one stick, which is Ezekiel in chapter 37 and verse 16, in which redemption for Israel and Judah is recorded. If we were to say that Israel here means Benjamin, that is the second tribe that is aligned with Judah of the southern kingdom, it is, however, clearly written for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions, which is a reference to the tribe of Benjamin, which was always associated with the kingdom of Judah. 
Therefore, it cannot be said that the term Israel alone, without the additional expression, his companions, could be referring to the tribe of Benjamin. There it is further written, For Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel, his companions, meaning the other nine tribes. The entire section is self-explanatory. The two kingdoms, Judah and Israel, will become one kingdom in the hands of David. When this prophecy was uttered, Israel was then in the Babylonian exile, and since then there has been no kingdom of Ephraim and no all Israel. There, in that prophecy, it is written, When my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forever. That is the prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 28. The explanation then by Nachmanides is that Ezekiel in chapter 37 is speaking about a future reunification of Ephraim and Judah that did not happen historically in the return from Babylon and did not happen historically in the days of the kings. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, volume 2, page 400. In 17, it comments regarding Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 6 that in the end of days the ten tribes will return to the land of Israel. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 6 reads, And I will strengthen the house of Judah and deliver the house of Joseph, and I will bring them back, for I will have mercy upon them, and they will be as though I had never cast them out. The commentary is, deliver the house of Joseph, this is a reference to the ten tribes. I will bring them back, meaning to the land of Israel, and they will dwell there in peace and security, which is associated with the Messianic era. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, volume 2, page 308, it explains that the ten tribes will only return and be united with Judah at the time of the Messianic redemption or the Messianic era. Other exiles, in particular the ten tribes, were to be found in very distant places and they would not return to their ancestral home at this time. They will only return in the end of days at the time of the final redemption. In the book Ephraim, the Gentile Children of Israel by Yair Davidi, on page 207, in the chapter on Christianity and the lost ten tribes, he explains that Ephraim has been scattered into all the nations of the earth, but they're primarily located in the west. The lost ten tribes, according to scripture, were to be taken to a north country, to the west, to the northwest, to Zarephath, to be in the isles of the sea, to become seafarers, to be at the ends or the geographical extremities of the earth, to be rich and powerful and beneficial to mankind. All of these and many more prophesied characteristics of the lost Israelite tribes are listed in the Bible. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, page 489, commenting and referring to Obadiah chapter 1 and verse 20, it mentions that the exiles of Israel 
were among the Canaanim as far as Zarephath and in Sepharad. The commentary to who or what Zarephath and Zepharad is, is that Zarephath refers to France and as an extension England, and Sepharad refers to Spain. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, page 490, the commentary to Obadiah, chapter 1, verse 20, reads, According to Rashi, that exiled host of the children of Israel who were among the Canaanim refer to the ten tribes. They were exiled from Canaan to Zarephath. Some say Zarephath means France and Zephyrod means Spain. This entire prophecy pertains to the future redemption. There was a period of time in history when England was considered a part of France, or Zarephath. Rabbi Tanhum identifies Zarephath as France. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, pages 190 and 191, referring to Hosea chapter 11 and verse 10, which says, He will roar like a lion, when he roars, the children will come trembling out of the west. The commentary is, but a time will come, that is the time of redemption, when he roars in the voice of God. The children of the living God, then in exile in the west, will come trembling to leave their exiles. So the ten tribes are going to return back to the land of Israel from the west. When they return to the land of Israel, among the places where they will return unto is Gilead and Lebanon, as it's stated in Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 10. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, volume 2, page 419, referring to Zechariah 10.10, which says, I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon, and even so, there will not be room enough for them. It says... I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon. The ingathered exiles will be settled both on the eastern side of the Jordan. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 2, page 106, it says that the ten tribes will return to Bashan and Gilead, as is stated in Micah chapter 7, verse 14, which reads... Tend your people with your staff, the flock of your heritage. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. The commentary is, some say the flock of your heritage pertains to the ten tribes. As it says, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Psalm chapter 80 and verse 1. A summary of these points is as follows. The Messiah will gather the exiles of Israel. Ephraim and Judah will be united in the end of days. The lost ten tribes would be scattered to the ends of the earth, but would be located mainly in the west in the end of days. The ten tribes will return to the land of Israel, and specifically to the mountains of Israel, Judea and Samaria, as it says in Ezekiel in chapter 37, verses 21 and 22, Lebanon, Bashan, and Gilead in the end of days. 
That is the dawn of the Messianic era. In the book, Ephraim, the Gentile Children of Israel, by Yardavidi, on page 224, he explains how in the prophets there is an allusion or a reference to the ten lost tribes in Christianity. Under the section entitled Hebrew Verbal Roots, Yardavidi writes, The root Nun, Zadi, and Resh is that from which the word Notzri, meaning Christian, is derived, allegedly in honor of Nazareth, Nazareth, which was considered the hometown of Jesus. It was suggested above that Notzri had previously been the name for a type of religious practice ultimately perhaps derivable from the lost ten tribes. At all events, the prophets in Isaiah especially may be understood as employing this root in connection with the lost ten tribes sometimes in a sense that appears to have religious connotations. Now let's see a link between the ten tribes and Christianity or belief in Yeshua as the Messiah. In the book of Hosea, we are told that Hosea marries Gomer. And the children that are mentioned from this marriage in Hosea chapter 1 foreshadows the judgment and ultimately the restoration of the ten tribes. Hosea chapter 1 verses 2 and 3. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take you a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land is committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblaim, which conceived and bare him a son. The name of the son in Hosea chapter 1 verse 4 is Jezreel. Jezreel means God will sow or God will scatter. The judgment of the ten tribes of the northern kingdom is that they would be assimilated or scattered into the nations of the world. The second child is mentioned in Hosea chapter 1 verse 6. It is a daughter and the name of the daughter is Lo Ruhama or No Mercy. And she conceived again and bare a daughter, and God said unto him, Call her name Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. The third child that is mentioned is Lo-Ami, or Not My People. Hosea chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Now when she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. So the judgment of the northern kingdom, they would be assimilated or scattered in the nations of the world, and the God of Israel would regard them as not being his people and not showing unto them mercy. That is their judgment. The end of Hosea in chapter 1 speaks of their restoration where they would go from being not a people to sons of the living God. In the Art Scroll to the Twelve Prophets, volume 1 on page 11, it explains that after this point in Hosea in chapter 1, the God of Israel goes on to prophesy that the ten tribes would be shown mercy. 
Hosea now changes his tone to one of mercy and prophesies words of comfort to the people by describing their final redemption and return to the land, which is also mentioned in the Talmud in Pesahim 87b. In the Art Scroll to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, on page 12, it explains that in Hosea it goes on to say, And the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. The commentary is, The children of Israel at the dawn of their redemption will be bound together as one by their devotion to the Almighty and His Torah. In the end of days, they will be devoted to the Almighty and His Torah. So a sign of the end of days is Ephraim will have a desire and a love for Torah. These are the days and times in which we are living, and we formally call Ephraim's love for Torah the Hebraic roots of Christianity movement. So even though it was said of the northern kingdom, Lo Ruhamah, or No Mercy, or Lo Ami, and Not My People, in Hosea chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it will come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people. Where was it said you are not my people? Right here in Hosea 1 with the prophecy. That it will be said that you are the sons of the living God. And who is the son of the living God? John chapter 1 verse 12. One who has accepted Yeshua as the Messiah is referred to as a son of the living God. So the prophecy of the northern kingdom is that they would become believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. That is the link of the ten tribes to Christianity. John chapter 1 verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In the book, I Await His Coming Every Day, by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, on page 14, he explains from the Mishnah Torah, Laws of the Kings, and the Laws Concerning the Coming of the Messiah, in chapter 11, written by Moses Maimonides, or the Rambam. Nachmanides writes from the Mishnah Torah, this expectation of the Messiah. In future time, the King Messiah will arise and renew the Davidic dynasty, restoring it to its initial sovereignty. He will rebuild the temple and gather in the dispersed remnant of Israel. Whoever does not believe in him or does not await his coming denies not only the statements of the other prophets, but also those of the Torah and of Moses, our teacher, for the Torah attests to his coming, or the Torah attests to the Messiah and his task to ingather the exiles of Israel. Quoting Deuteronomy chapter 30. And the Lord your God will bring back your captivity and have compassion upon you. He will return and gather you from all the nations. Even if your dispersed ones are in the farthest reaches of the heavens, from there will God gather you in and God will bring you to the land. These explicit words of the Torah, that is the Messiah gathers the exiles of Israel, these explicit words of the Torah found in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 5, include 
all that was said or summarizes all that was said on the subject by all the prophets. goes on to say in Mishnah Torah Laws of the Kings as quoted in the book by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, I await his coming every day on page 18. If a king will arise from the house of David and he does a variety of things and ultimately in the things that the Messiah is supposed to do, if he gathers in the dispersed remnant of Israel, he is definitely the Messiah. The Messiah gathers the exiles of Israel. How many messages have you heard in Christian churches that Yeshua gathers the exiles of Israel, or that Yeshua died on the tree to gather the exiles of Israel? This is a primary stumbling block to Judah in accepting Yeshua as the Messiah. Not only isn't it proclaimed, even among Christians, that he died on the tree to accomplish this task, but Christianity also teaches that the Messiah of Israel died on the tree to do away with the Torah. That is also a completely unacceptable position to a Jew who believes in the Hebrew Scriptures. The Messiah of the Bible, he gathers the exiles of Israel, and the Messiah of the Bible, he brings the whole world to following Torah. And we see Yeshua ultimately fulfilling this in the Messianic era when he teaches the Torah to all nations from Jerusalem, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, and, and among the world, following the Torah, all nations are required to come to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles in Zechariah in chapter 14. In the book, A Matter of Return by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg on page 131, he writes, Isaiah foresaw, and this is Isaiah in chapter 11, that in that day it shall be that the root of Jesse that stands for a banner of the peoples, to him shall the nation seek, and his resting place shall be glorious. And it will come to pass on that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people that shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt, from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamat and from the isles of the sea. And he will set up an end sign, a banner, a sign for the nations. The sign for the nations of the coming of the Messiah is the ingathering of the exiles. He will set up a sign for the nations and will assemble the dispersed of Israel, that's the ten tribes, and gather together the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. From this prophecy in Isaiah 11, we learn that the Messiah, the son of David, will gather the dispersed of Israel, the vanished ten tribes, and will ingather Judah from the far corners of the globe. We are told... By Yeshua himself in John chapter 10, that he's the good shepherd that gathers the exiles of Israel, and his purpose in dying on the tree is to unify northern kingdom and southern kingdom. John chapter 10, verse 14, Yeshua said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and am known by mine. When Yeshua said, I am the good shepherd, he's saying that he's the one that gathers the exiles of Israel, and he's referring to the prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11 and verse 13, which says, For thus says Yahweh Elohim, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. But 
In Ezekiel 34.11, it says Yahweh Elohim searches the lost sheep of Israel and seeks them out. When Yeshua said, I'm the good shepherd, that statement connected to Ezekiel 34.11, he's also saying that he's Yahweh Elohim. Ezekiel 34.13, And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them upon the mountains of Israel, which is Judea and Samaria, which is the West Bank, by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. Yeshua goes on to say, after he said, I'm the good shepherd, John chapter 10, verse 14, he says in John chapter 10, verse 16, other sheep I have, not I will have after I die on the tree, other sheep I currently have, which means at the time he's speaking these words, he is over northern kingdom and southern kingdom. How can that be? The only way that that can be is if he's the one that made the covenant with Abraham, which we're told that he was, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, and he's the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai because the Torah was given to the house of Jacob. So he is the one that is the shepherd over the house of Jacob, his sheep. So other sheep I have, he's speaking to Jews, so when he says other sheep I have, he's referring to the northern kingdom or Ephraim or the ten tribes, which are not of this fold, meaning they're not of the house of Judah or Jews, them also I must bring, that is the ten tribes of the northern kingdom. And he's saying regarding the northern kingdom, they will hear my voice. In other words, they will believe that I am the Messiah and will follow me. And ultimately, there will be one fold, that's the unification of Ephraim and Judah, which we know physically happens in the end of days, and there will be one shepherd, that is Yeshua being shepherd over a united house of Israel and house of Judah. Then Yeshua explains in order for that to happen, he needs to die on the tree. Why? Because in dying on the tree, he's going to pay for the sins of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And they have to be forgiven of their sins before they can be redeemed through the blood of Yeshua and ultimately be united where he would rule and reign over them. So he says in John chapter 10 verse 17, Therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. The therefore is because there's got to be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore because of that I'm going to lay down my life. In John chapter 11, verses 49 through 52, it is also stated here that Yeshua died on the tree to gather the exiles of Israel. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 49, it reads, And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Yeshua should die, meaning that he's dying to pay for the sins of the house of Jacob. He prophesied that Yeshua would die for that nation. Here, that nation is a reference to Judah. But in the next verse, John 11:52, he says, and not for that nation only. Not only for Judah, but he's also dying for Ephraim, or the ten tribes, or the northern kingdom. But that he should gather together in one, that is these two nations, 
that is Judah and Ephraim, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, that he should gather together in one the children of God scattered abroad. So we're explicitly told that Yeshua is dying on the tree to gather together the exiles of Israel. Let's summarize these points that we have made. The prophets of Israel allude to Christianity. The names of the children born to the marriage of Hosea and Gomer foreshadow the judgment upon the ten tribes. The restoration redemption of the ten tribes comes through the Messiah of Israel. And Yeshua died on the tree to gather the exiles of Israel. In the book, A Matter of Return, by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg, on pages 132 and 133, he explains how it's written in the prophets, specifically Jeremiah, that Judah will seek for the ten tribes in exile. During the past few centuries, the Jewish community in various parts of the world has made efforts to make contact with the lost ten tribes and to actualize their return. One of these efforts, that of the Jerusalem Rabbinate of 1900, was based on the commentary of the Yahut Shimoni. This Midrash states that the diaspora of Judah and Benjamin will go out to the ten tribes exiled behind the river Sabbatian and will bring them back with them in order that they too will enjoy the days of the Messiah's reign and life of the world to come. This commentary is based on the already quoted prophecy of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 3 it says, In those days the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel, and they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I have given for an inheritance to your fathers. They carried, in seeking to make contact with the ten tribes, the following special message that was addressed to the children of Moses or the ten tribes, and it was signed by the rabbis of Jerusalem. And this is what they wrote to the ten tribes. Please, dear brothers, hasten and ascend to Mount Zion, the dwelling of His holiness, for our redemption is dependent on your coming to Mount Zion. Our redemption is dependent upon you coming to Mount Zion. In other words, the redemption is the reunification of Ephraim and Judah. So what do we have recorded in the Brit Hadashah or the New Testament? That Paul, a Jew, is going to be given commission by Yeshua in Acts chapter 9 to go out to the ten tribes who are in exile. Exactly according to Jeremiah 3 and the expectation that the Jews would go out after the ten tribes. So... In Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, in Acts 22, verse 3, and Acts 26, verse 5, we can see that Paul was raised an Orthodox Jew. It says of him, He was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the Torah, a Pharisee. And he says these words in Acts 22, verse 3, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Sicilia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the Torah of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as you are all this day. In Acts 26, verse 5, Paul says, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most strictest sect, of our religion. I lived a Pharisee. Now how would you interpret today the most strict sect? 
you would have to be the Hasidic Jews. They are the most strict sect of Judaism. Paul testifies in Acts 26, verses 6 and 7, that he was teaching the message of Yeshua and his role to ingather the exiles, as it is written. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. So it's a promise that our twelve tribes hope to come. Well, if they hope to come, they haven't come yet, because they're hoping to come, which means the twelve tribes have not been united. And Paul was going out and proclaiming the message of Yeshua and his role in dying on the tree to regather the exiles of Israel. In the Book of Redemption by Moses Nachmanides, or the Ramban, on pages 25 and 26, he writes concerning Isaiah chapter 49, verse 5. And now says the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. It is a light thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the offspring of Israel. The commentary to this verse is that this alludes to his prophecies in general in which the prophet spoke concerning all of them. That is, the ten tribes lost in the Assyrian exile and the two tribes in the Babylonian exile. This is Isaiah chapter 49, verses 5 and 6. Paul understood that Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, spoke of the ten tribes. And in Acts chapter 13, verses 44 and verses 46 and 47, he writes, And the next Sabbath came almost all the whole city together to hear the word of God. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles, which in context should be understood to be the assimilated ten tribes in the nations of the world. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6. In the book A Matter of Return by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg on page 132, there's an explanation regarding Isaiah chapter 49 verse 9, which speaks of the ten tribes being prisoners of hope. Prophesying about the future return of the exiles to their land, Isaiah states that you may say to the prisoners, go forth. To them that are in darkness, show yourselves. The Midrash Rabbah explains that prisoners denotes the tribes residing beyond the Sabbatian, and those who are in darkness denotes those existing under a dark cloud. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 7, page 172, it says, saying to the prisoners, go forth, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 9. This alludes to those who were exiled to this side of the river Sabathian. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 6, page 695, it says this regarding the ten tribes in Isaiah 49, 9. In the time to come, the Holy One, blessed be He, will bring them together, as may be inferred from the text. Behold, these shall come from far and low, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinim. 
Isaiah chapter 49, verse 12. The other exiles shall come with them, and the tribes who are living beyond the river Sabathian and beyond the mountains of darkness shall gather together and come to Jerusalem. Isaiah stated, saying to the prisoners, Go forth. Isaiah 49.9. He was referring to those exiles who are living beyond the Sabbathian. To them that are in darkness, show yourselves. By this, he was referring to those who are living beyond the cloud of darkness. In Ezekiel chapter 37, the beginning of the chapter tells us about Ezekiel's vision where he saw some dry bones. Ezekiel 37 verses 1 through 3. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about and behold there were very many in the open valley and lo they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 4 and 5 and verse 11, it says, Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Now remember, in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 9, the ten tribes are called prisoners of hope. In Isaiah 37, verse 11, it says, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. Why is our hope lost? Because we are cut off from our parts. So as long as the... Ten tribes are not united with Judah. Our hope is lost. Because what is the hope? The hope is the Messiah gathering the exiles of Israel in unifying northern kingdom, southern kingdom, which is associated with the Messianic era, which is our hope because that's when Israel is the dominant nation in the earth and a blessing to all nations. So as long as we're divided, our hope is lost. As long as we are cut off from our parts. In Acts chapter 28, verse 17, we're told how Paul was brought before the Roman authorities. And in part, what triggered this is Paul was teaching Messiah dying on the tree to gather the exiles of Israel, and he was receiving flack from Jews who contradicted and would not accept his message. Acts 28, verse 17, it says, It came to pass that after three days Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Notice he became a prisoner. Acts 28, verses 19 and 20. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because, look at this, because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. The hope of Israel is the reunification of northern kingdom and southern kingdom. So he was proclaiming the message, and he wasn't being received when he proclaimed the message. 
and that caused him to go before the Roman authorities. He had to give his testimony, and he says, this has all happened to me because of the hope of Israel that he is in this chain. So he later expressed, I wish all would have the honor to experience what I honored and to carry this hope of Israel with them. Paul later on went to say, in the book From Exile to Redemption, Volume 1, page 65, by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, making a reference to Amos chapter 8, verse 11, it is explained that in the end of days there would be a famine in the land. On the eve of the coming of the Messiah, the entire generation will be hungry for the word of God as it is written. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine in the land, not a famine for bread nor a thirst for water, but for hearing the words of God. This famine is mentioned in Yeshua's parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son is Ephraim. And one of the things that causes Ephraim to return to his father is he experiences a famine. And this famine is you're not being fed spiritually. How many have said, I'm just not getting fed in church anymore? And that is the prophesied famine of the parable that Ephraim would experience that would cause him to return to his father, which means returning to Torah and returning to his roots. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and he said, A certain man had two sons. The two sons are Ephraim and Judah. And the younger of them, that is Ephraim, said to his father, Father, give me the portions of goods that falls to me. Now, why did the younger son say this? Because he received the birthright and the inheritance. So he said, hey, give me my inheritance. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son, that is Ephraim, gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. That's exile into the nations of the world. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. That is harlotry or idolatry. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. Amos in chapter 8 verse 11, meaning no Torah. And he began to be in want. He was starving spiritually. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And when he came to himself, he said... How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise. The phrase I will arise means awakening from spiritual slumber. It means returning from exile. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Compassion is mercy. And so the redemption of Ephraim and Judah is an act of mercy by the God of Israel. And he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him. Ephraim is shown mercy or compassion in the end of days. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 18 through 20. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. You have chastised me, and I was chastised, as a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for you are the Lord my God. Surely after that I was turned, I repented, and after that I was instructed. Repented means a decision to follow Torah, and then he was instructed in Torah. 
I smote upon my thigh. In other words, he realized, how in the world have I missed it for so long? How is it that I didn't see? He smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, that's in Hosea chapter 1, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, says the Lord. And so the father in the parable had compassion when he saw him afar off and he ran to greet him. A summary of these things. Judah will seek for the lost ten tribes. Paul was a Jew whose ministry was to the lost ten tribes. As long as Ephraim is separated from Judah, then our hope is lost. That is, we will not see the Messianic era. Paul was a prisoner of hope. In the end of days, there will be a famine in the land. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Ephraim is the prodigal son, and Ephraim returned to his father, that is Torah, because there was a famine in the land. He was not being taught Torah, and he was lacking for spiritual food. Next, let's look at the birth of Jacob and Esau, because the end of days is a conflict between Jacob and Esau. And the only way the rabbis teach that Esau will be defeated is when Ephraim and Judah unite. Joseph must unite with Judah to defeat Esau. Genesis chapter 25, verses 21 through 23. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in your womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from your bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 1056, in commentary to these verses, it says, The rendering of regimes follows Rashi who explains that the word always denotes a kingdom. In other words, a people living together under one form of government who will be ideologically at odds forever. That is, Jacob and Esau are two nations that will be ideologically at odds with one another. And the might will pass from one to the other. The two of them will never be mighty simultaneously. When one falls, the other will rise. Talmud, Megillah 6a. War between them is inevitable. This condition began when each conquered its own land and will continue until the coming of the Messiah. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 1057, in reference to, in the end, the younger will prevail, According to the Midrash, this prophecy will be fulfilled in the days of the Messiah. This is a view followed by Malbum, who cites Obadiah chapter 1, verse 21, which describes messianic times when deliverers shall go up to Mount Zion to rule the hill country of Esau, and the dominion shall be the Lord's. What period of time are we talking about when the dominion is the Lord's? The messianic era. In Genesis chapter 25, verses 24 through 28, 
6, it says, And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 1058, it says, Malbum interprets this entire incident as pertaining to Messianic times. Messianic times is alluded to by the phrase birth because Messianic times is associated with the birth pangs of the Messiah. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 1061, it says, Jacob is a play on the word ekev, which means heel, because he grasped Esau's heel. According to Sephorno, the name means at the end, or a kav of time, he will endure. As the victor in the constant struggle with the evil forces represented by Esau. This was symbolized by Jacob's grasping of his brother's heel alluding to the end. So it's only in the end of days that Jacob will be able to overcome and be victorious over Esau. But how does the overcoming come about? It comes about when Joseph unites with Judah and the Messiah fights against Esau. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 672, it explains how Joseph is Esau's enemy. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. As soon as Esau's adversary Joseph was born, Jacob then said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go unto my own place and to my country. For Rabbi Phinehas said in the name of Rabbi Samuel, son of Naaman, it is a tradition that Esau will fall at the hands of none other than Rachel's descendants, as it is written. Surely the youngest of the flock shall drag them away. Jeremiah chapter 49.20 And why does he call them the youngest of the flock? Because they were the youngest of the tribes. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, page 488, it explains how Joseph united with Judah, or Ephraim, or the ten tribes united with Judah, is destined to defeat Esau. The descendants of Esau can only be overcome by the power of the sons of Rachel. This pertains to Joseph rather than Benjamin. The scripture hints at a future confrontation between Esau and Jacob. The straw of one will be consumed by the fire of the other. Thus it says, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. Genesis 25:21. The numerical equivalent of this in Hebrew is 707, the same as fire and straw. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, volume 2, page 1314, as Rashi expresses it, when Rachel had given birth to Joseph, who was the destined adversary of Esau, or the power that would defeat him, as it is written in Obadiah chapter 1, verse 18, And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau shall be a straw. Fire is Jacob. Without a flame, Joseph is ineffective from afar. And it's only with the birth of Joseph, who was like a flame, could Jacob hope to defeat Esau. 
in the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, page 487, 491, and 493. It is written regarding the house of Joseph a flame and the house of Esau for a stubble or straw. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 21 says, Liberators will come on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau and the dominion or the kingdom will be the Lord's. According to some traditions, the liberators who will come up on the Mount Zion refer to the sons of Moses who are presently locked away on the other side of the river Sabbatian. In the time of the redemption, they will come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. We have a foreshadowing that Joseph or Ephraim or the ten tribes united with Judah is necessary to defeat Esau in the Torah in Exodus chapter 17 where there is a conflict with Amalek, who is a descendant of Esau. It is written there, And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And Joshua, who is of the tribe of Ephraim, who represents the ten tribes, discomfited Amalek, or Esau, and his people with the edge of the sword. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, pages 698 and 699, it says, The grandson of Joseph is destined to destroy Amalek, as it says, And Joshua discomfited Amalek, and his people with the edge of the sword. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 13. Elijah will precede the coming of the Messiah. Matthew chapter 17 verses 10 and 11. And his disciples asked him saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must first come? And Yeshua answered and said to them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. What's the restoration unto? Torah. The ministry of Elijah brings restoration. And Elijah points the people of the God of Israel to Torah. Malachi chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. Remember ye the Torah of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb, for all Israel with his statutes and judgments. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet, before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. Notice when Elijah the prophet is being sent, his message is, remember the Torah of Moses. And he's being sent before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. What do we call the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord? The tribulation or even the great tribulation. So notice Elijah comes before the tribulation of the great tribulation. And the message is, remember the Torah of Moses. You know what we call that today? What message is being voiced in the earth that we need to follow the Torah? It's the Hebraic roots of Christianity message. And this is the message of the ministry of the spirit of Elijah. In the book, A Matter of Return, by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg, on page 138, he explains that no member from the ten tribes will be accepted in marriage by Judah until the days of the Messiah. 
Until the arrival of the prophet Elijah and the Messiah, no member of any of the ten tribes shall be accepted for the purpose of marriage into the Jewish people. This is stated in the Seder Eliyahu Sutta. Proselytes are not accepted from the Cutheans until the prophet Elijah and the son of David the Messiah will appear since the ten tribes were intermingled among them. This infers that the descendants of the ten tribes are definitely forbidden since they are suspect of being from halakhically prohibited Jewish marriage, according to rabbinic Judaism. In the Messiah text by Raphael Patai, page 144, it explains that Elijah will announce the redemption to the house of Jacob. Everywhere in the Bible, the name Jacob is spelled without a vav, except for five places. And everywhere the name of Elijah is spelled with a vav, except for five places. Why? To teach you that Elijah will come and redeem the seed of Jacob. Jacob took the vav from the name of Elijah as a pledge that Elijah would come and announce the redemption of the world to his children. This is a commentary of Rashi to Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 42. In the book of Ephraim, the Gentile children of Israel by Yardavidi, on page 224, he explains regarding Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 6 that says that a cry will be made, Arise and let us go up to Zion under the Lord our God. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 6 later talks of the Notzerim, or the Christians, and in this case, both the simple sense of the passage as well as the opinion of most commentators of Rashi, Radok, and others says that those spoken of are the exiled of Israel. Jeremiah predicts that these lost Israelite notes ream, English watchmen, upon the Mount of Ephraim will cry, Arise and let us go up to Zion. Don Isaac Arbabanel, who lived from 1437 to 1508, suggests that the word notzrim used here refers to members of the Christian faith. The prophet foresaw through divine inspiration that the Roman descendants of Edom would believe in that faith and therefore they would be called by the name notzrim. So it says in Jeremiah 31.6 that the Christian will say, Arise and let us go up to Zion. The house of Jacob being united, that is Ephraim and Judah, is mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 16 it is written, Moreover thou son of man, take you one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim and for all the house of Israel his companions. And join them one to another into one stick and they shall become one in your hand. Ezekiel 37, verse 22. When the unification of Ephraim and Judah take place, the unification will take place in the mountains of Israel. And that is the West Bank. That is the area where the world wants to make a PLO state. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king to them all. And they shall no more be two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. With the unification of Ephraim and Judah, there will no longer be any envy between Ephraim and Judah. In the book, A Matter of Return, by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg on page 132, he writes, When the ten tribes return, there will be no envy between the tribe of Judah and the ten tribes united. 
They will wage war against all their enemies. We learn this from the continuation of Isaiah's prophecy. The envy also of Egypt shall depart, and they that harass the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. That's Isaiah chapter 11, verse 13. And ultimately, there is a unification of both houses of Israel, and when this happens, Yeshua will rule and reign over them, and this is associated with the Messianic era. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 24. And David, my servant, a term for the Messiah, shall be king over them. And they will have one shepherd, John chapter 10, verse 14, that's Yeshua. And they will walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. That is following Torah. And thus we have what has always been desired of the God of Israel, that he would have a people who would be redeemed by the Messiah, and Messiah would rule and reign with them, and they would be following the Torah and keeping his commandments. This is the joy and celebration of the Messianic era. I pray that this message has been a rich blessing to you. Remember always these words from 1 John in chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him, he who says that he's a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah, ought himself to walk even as he walked. And how did Yeshua walk? He kept the Torah of his Father. Even as Yeshua said in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.